What's up, friends? Welcome to Peloton. We always work this hard because we are Peloton, and together we go far. Remember, you are not alone. I'm right there with you. Progress, not perfection. You've done the hardest part. This is Peloton. Hey, friends. What's up? I am Tunde Oyenade, and welcome to Fitness Flipped, a Peloton Studios original. This is the show about flipping the script on all the things that we think we know about fitness. Today, we're talking about how we redefine what it means to be strong, and more importantly, how we develop and practice strength. And I'm not just talking about the strength that's the muscle kind. We're talking about the mind kind, too. So let's get into it. Strong as hell. I'm so proud of my body, how strong my body is. I love the fact that my body is able to do things that I once said I'd never be able to do. I've at one point been obsessed, yes, with how much I could squat, but I'm at this space now where I realize that my strength goes so far beyond my muscles my relationship with strength, with my strength, has evolved over the years. When I think about being strong now, I think about what it takes to not only push hard on the bike, but also off the bike. I think about the physical and the mental strength. I also think about the strength that it takes to overcome adversity and the strength that it takes to be a good friend, to be there to support my family. To me, strength is not only about the power or my power. It's about the struggle and my struggle. My little brother passed away at the age of 19, um, really suddenly and unexpected. Three years after my brother passed away, I lost my dad. And three years after that, I lost my mother, all pretty sudden, all rather unexpectedly. And I remember speaking at my brother's funeral, at my dad's funeral, my mother's funeral. I remember speaking and knowing that it was my opportunity to give them one last great honor. In each of those moments, I found my strength. In those moments, I stepped in to this stronger version of Tunde. It doesn't mean that I didn't struggle. It doesn't mean that I didn't hit rock bottom over and over and over again. It means that while I was at my bottom, I stood there with my eyes open, wondering, searching, looking for the lesson that was to come of it. And I think doing that has moved me into this greater version of trust with myself, which in turn has made me so much stronger. I am really focused on all kinds of strengths emotional, physical, mental strength. And so I want to know, I'm curious, is there a scientific 
definition of mental strength. We can build mental strength, yes, but do we build mental strength in the same way that we would build up our quads? And why is it so important to expand our understanding of strength within our own bodies? I've had such a journey. I know that I still have so much more to learn about strength. And in true Peloton fashion, we're going to dive right on in and learn something today. So here's what's happening in today's episode of Fitness Flip. We're going to talk to a mental performance expert who is also a neuroscientist. Not a big deal. And then we're going to sit down with an ass-kicking friend of mine who just happens to be a record-breaking Paralympian. Miss Scout Bassett is joining us today. Okay, our expert today is neuroscientist and mental performance consultant, Daya Grant. Daya says that mental strength is the key to everything, from dealing with pre-race anxieties to self-discovery to general happiness and inner peace. Okay, so let's start with the basics. What is mental strength? I would say mental strength is the umbrella term. Beneath that, you're developing resilience, focus, goal setting, your ability to be present, joy, non-attachment. These are all mental skills that fall under mental strength. And there are tools to develop those skills. They're trainable just like any physical skill is trainable. So let's start with focus. We know we need to be able to focus to perform well. We need for our brain to filter out irrelevant information and focus on what's salient, what's most important, so that we can then take action. And the really cool thing is that it sort of happens naturally when you're working out. So when we're exercising our body, the brain is focused on how we're moving and what's most important in the moment. So we all know that when you're working out, it's really hard to think about other things. I think that's why so many of us do it. It's this break. It's a pause. It allows us to quiet the mental chatter and focus on how our body's moving. So we can do that just without paying much attention to focus, just simply by moving. We are cultivating focus. But if you're really intentional about it, then you can do things like setting an attention before you work out. If in this yoga class, my intention is to really be present and not let my mind wander, then I'm going to keep bringing myself back to what's happening on my mat every time I notice that my mind's wandering. The more you do that, the more you strengthen your muscle, your focus muscle. And just like in any other physical area, the more you practice that with intention, the more it's going to build. So when you leave your workout and you go out into the real world and you're, you're faced with work, you're parenting, whatever it is that you do, however you perform, you are now showing up in a way that has more focus, more presence, simply by being very intentional about how you moved your body. The same thing for resilience. So this is another really cool neuroscience fact. When we exercise, specifically when we run, although I'm willing to bet that as more research comes out, we're going to start seeing this in other avenues of exercise as well. But when we run, our brain is producing a very unknown neuropeptide called galanin. And galanin is directly related to resilience. 
So as your galanin levels increase, your stress hardiness increases. Your ability to manage stress increases. That's the definition of resilience. We're now seeing why moving and and moving intentionally cultivates resilience from a neuroscience standpoint. Exercise literally creates brain chemicals to improve resilience. And then resilience is a muscle that we can exercise. I love that. Now, we all know that we can train mentally to be strong. We also know that recovery is an essential part of our training. So let's hear from Daya a bit more on how we can train our brains to recover as well. There's something in the brain, there's a network in the brain called the default mode network. And this was discovered in the 90s, but really researched more heavily pretty recently. Typically, we know that your brain is active when you're doing something, when you're engaged in a task positive behavior. So I'm talking to you right now, my brain is active, there's things happening. But when you're at rest, when you think you're at rest, when you're just sort of wandering off and you're daydreaming, your brain is also active. It's really important that your default mode network is active. We need that. It's, it's important for our survival. It enables us to be able to refer to ourselves and to think about the past, plan for the future. But also, if it's hyperactive, then we fall into rumination or anxiety or depression. So things like movement, working out, and meditating, quiet activation of the default mode network. And that's huge. Because now, when you're just sitting and sitting outside looking at the trees or whatever it is, you're you're relaxing— You are activating the default mode network, but if you've been training through working out, through meditating, to quiet that, then it'll be much easier when you start to notice that you're falling into the ruminative thought processes. Again, an example of how what you're doing on the bike, on your mat, moving, running, is having a direct effect on the architecture of your brain, which then affects your behavior, your happiness, your ability to tolerate stress, and your ability to live a happy and fulfilled and healthy life. It's fascinating, and we're really at the tip of the iceberg with this. The tip of the iceberg. It's incredible what our brains and our bodies can do and how fitness of the body can translate so directly into fitness of the mind. So let's remember, we can practice resilience, we can practice focus, and we can practice incorporating fitness into our life in a way that boosts our mental strength as well as our physical strength. And in whatever routine makes sense for you, As an instructor, I am always reminding my squad to cool down and to make sure to stretch, to take recovery days. But what I love about this is that the science backs it, that recovery is actually part of building our mental strength, too. Our next guest is a personal hero of mine and someone I am lucky enough to call my friend. Scout Bassett is a record-setting Paralympian, and as we used to say in my day, shout out to all the millennials, Scout Bassett is all of that and a bag of chips. Let's get into it. 
out. Thank you so much for being here today. I think that some of our listeners are going to be in complete awe that Peloton snagged the Scout Bassett for our podcast today. And I also think that there are some people that are going to be learning about you for the very first time. For those listeners, can you give them like a quickie Scout Bassett story? So uh, the Cliff Notes version of my story begins in... Nanjing, China, where as a baby, I was involved in a fire and left on the streets. In this fire, I lost my right leg and uh, I was just abandoned on the streets of China after that. Found at about a year and a half old and taken to the local uh, government-run orphanage in Nanjing. And I lived there until I was uh, almost eight years old. I was adopted and came to the U.S., a small town in northern Michigan. And uh, sports were always a, a huge part of my life, but I always struggled growing up in sports, allowed to be there, but not always included. When I was 14 years old was the first time I ever ran. I got a running prosthetic, and it just changed the whole course of my life. And from that point on, I knew that I wanted to run. I never imagined it would be at this level that I'm doing it now. But uh, as you know, fitness, activity, movement, it was really an outlet for me to be able to heal, to overcome, uh, to gain confidence and so many important things that I needed to really live this life. And I'm so thankful for what a wild and crazy journey it's been. Wow. You said allowed to be there, but not always included. Yes. That hit. That hit. I think there are a lot of people that are going to hear your story and immediately they'll think, oh, my God, she's so inspirational. <laughs> and the truth is they're not wrong. But being inspirational is also it's a complex concept in the disability community. Yes. How do you feel when you hear that? When people say, oh, you're so inspiring, I always know the intention comes from a really good place because they're wanting to say something very positive. But we call it inspiration porn in our community because people say it so often. And I hope that when they say I'm inspiring, that they're not just saying it because I'm running with one leg or doing or living this life because I am an amputee. I hope that what makes me inspiring is who I am, the way that I overcome challenges, my mindset, my spirit, uh, the will to tackle every challenge. And that's the same way that I would look at anybody else, right? The things that I'm most drawn by from another human is how they made me feel, what they made me feel. And are they pushing me and empowering me, motivating me to do something impactful and purposeful with my life? And um, I hope that that's what uh, people think of when they use the word inspiring. But I personally am not offended by it because I always know it comes from a place of wanting to be encouraging. But it's good to educate people of language, especially in the space of disability. Mm -hmm. Thank you for enlightening us. I would say that along this journey, the definition or how I define strength has changed, it's evolved, and it's moved around. I think that when I was younger, I would have equated my strength to how much I could squat or deadlift. <laughs> same, <That> same. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I've, I've experienced a lot of trauma and a lot of loss in my life. I would at one point uh, define strength as how much I could hide my true emotion, hide my hurt, how long I could hold out from being vulnerable, right? And then now I, I define strength as something completely different. My question for you is, how has your definition of strength or your relationship with strength changed over the course of your life? Well, you said something that I really resonate with, and that's the idea of hiding. Because so much of how I grew up was that I felt so ashamed and embarrassed of these things that made me different from everybody else. Having the prosthetic, being Asian, growing up in an orphanage were all things that people didn't accept or felt uncomfortable about with me. And so I felt shameful and embarrassed of those things. And like you, there's been so much loss and so much trauma and pain. And I hid all of that. Growing up, I wore a cosmetic cover over my prosthetic and long pants or long skirts or dresses when my mom would force me to, you know, dress girly because I didn't want people to see. And what I've realized is that Strength is not a physical thing. It's internal. It's the ability to be vulnerable, uh, to talk about the things that perhaps you were shameful of or embarrassed of. You know, for me to be able to acknowledge where I have felt that way about myself or the way others have treated me and how I've moved through that has been a journey. And what I didn't realize in being able to share my journey, my stories, that in you being able to be open and transparent and honest about those things, you never know. It might be someone else's survival guide to help them to come to the light also. Hmm. We all have our stuff. Yes. The things, right? The things mm -hmm. that we think about ourselves, the things that we feel that we were born into, and I think that when we're young, we develop this armor yes. to mask that and to distract people from those things. But you being so vulnerable and so open about your story and the way that you felt or even still do feel about yourself, you give license to other people that feel the same way to also be open and to also be vulnerable. What advice would you give to someone that feels overwhelmed by their trauma and their struggle? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing I would say is that it's okay not to be okay because I've gone through seasons of life in particular when I went back to the orphanage that I grew up in in 2016. And up until then, I had sort of just suppressed all of the trauma and the pain and the loss that I had experienced in my life because, you know, I was doing sport and went to the Paralympics and I just felt like I'm okay now. I've made it. And then going back to the orphanage and revisiting the place that really broke me as a young girl and is the reason for so much of the struggles that I go through now to revisit all of that was like, ripping open all of these wounds again, right? And that's something I've also learned is that things happen in our life and there's all this scar tissue that builds up, whether it's a failure, it's a rejection, it's a loss, it's a trauma. And if you don't address those things, 
you probably don't even realize it, but you've been parked at a place, that place. And that's what I realized in going back to that orphanage is that I had been parked at this place sort of unconsciously, but it was really the thing that was holding me back from all the things that I could really be and to do with my life. And what I went through in that process was a two, three-year journey of not being okay, of bawling my eyes out in ways that I had never done before, of having to go see a psychiatrist and a therapist and doing this very dynamic approach to healing and just really being completely broken down to pieces. And then to rebuild myself is what it took for me to get to the other side. And uh, I want people to know that it's a lot of hard work. It is painful. You have to go to that place that you don't want to go to. But on the other side of it is this incredible reward of healing. Um, And that healing is not linear. There's no finish line to that healing journey. You just become better and have tools, coping skills that help you to, you know, when you have triggers or whatnot, to be able to deal with those things. But I just want to encourage people that whatever you have to do, likely it's going to be really difficult. It's going to be uncomfortable, but to do the work, because if you're willing to do it, you're going to experience just this incredible joy and reward. And most importantly, you're going to feel so empowered to be able to hopefully help somebody else when you're able to get through it. You said what it took for me to rebuild myself. That was a whole word. That was a whole (laughs) entire word. What does self-care routine look like for you, the Scout Bassett? Well, self-care for me is both the physical of the training, of working out, prioritizing that. I think as, especially as women, you get pulled in so many different directions and there's so many demands in life. And for me, I know that I have to prioritize that right away. And that has to be the first thing that I do every day because when you don't make it a priority or you say, oh, I have to get to this and this before, well, then that's the first thing that ends up not getting done. And for me, I know that if I commit myself to doing the workouts and going to training and all those things, then I feel re-energized and restored to be able to tackle everything else in the rest of my day. But it's going to sound a little superficial, but I also believe give self-care is all the things that make you feel good about yourself also. It's for me, I love getting my nails done. They look excellent. <laughs> so like, I like the little diamond you. on the yeah, I see that thank index. You. Yes. That's like my thing is being able to like get my nails done. I say whatever it is that gives you that little extra bounce in your step in your day, like by all means, if that's what makes you feel good, like do it. And so for me, it's prioritizing that, but it's also just taking time to do I love like the meditation on the Peloton app because I think that's also another form of self-care is just taking the time to be centered, to be quiet, to be still, to reflect. It's a huge part of self-care for me. And I think not enough people do it. Look, Scout, I will take the hop, the bounce, the skip and the jump, <laughs> right? Cross yes. all of it. I've started to transition the way that I think about self-care. I look at it 
as something that I am doing for the good of my soul. I need this hot long bath because it nourishes my soul. I need this meditation, even though I'm running late to work, because it nourishes my soul. I'm going to go and get my hair shampooed because when someone shampoos and massages my head, I feel it deep within the depth of my soul. So for me, it's soul care. So thanks. Thanks for that routine, girl. I love that. I'm going to start using that uh, expression and I'm stealing it from you. Take it. (laughs) Take it. Scout, we're going to wrap with a question in one word. What makes you feel strong? That I'm hopeful. I Hopeful. Yeah, that I'm hopeful. That's what drives me is the, just this eternal sense of hope that the best is still ahead for me and that I haven't accomplished everything that I wanted to do and that I'm going to be able to make it through whatever the future has for me. And I that's really what I hope to spread to other people is just a, a sense of hope. It's what makes me strong. Yes, girl. It shines and it magnifies from you. Scout Bassett, thank you so much for joining us. You are all that is hope, sister. You are all that is hope. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. It was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Can we like do a workout or something together? Maybe like an inclusive workout of some sort where... Like, I'll do the workout with you, and then I make my own little modifications and whatnot. I mean, you're going like, to make me look bad, but please. We can, but I want to. We'll I do want to we'll work edit. out with you. I want to work out with <laughs> we'll you. We'll do it, and we'll edit out all the parts where you completely pass me up so that people that no. ride with me Girl, I saw your guns, okay? <laughs> like, that definition. I was like, can, can I have her arms, please? you guys i am willing to embarrass myself and let scout show me up if you guys are into it (laughs) but for real scout really walks the walk of both mental and physical strength scout shows us that you are strong because you struggle not you're strong in spite of your struggle you are strong because you struggle It's like I say in class, the pain that you feel today reveals itself as strength tomorrow. We go through it today, and on the other side, we're stronger because of it. And as our expert Daya Grant said at the very beginning of today's episode, our mental and our physical fitness, it's one. Both are about how to have a better life as a whole. All right, all right, party people. It's time to tune in, turn on, and tap into Tunde's final thoughts. It's like I say in every challenging push on the bike or on the floor together, your mind is your strongest muscle. Yeah, it's your quads and your glutes that initiate the push in a squat, but ultimately your mind first tells your booty and your legs that you got it, that you can do it. It's like the age old thought, you gotta believe it to receive it. Everything starts with whether we think that we have the ability to do any one thing or not. We focus so much on training our bodies, which I think is great. 
where I think the opportunity for so many of us is, is taking that same amount of focus into training our minds. I think that our bodies are programmed or built to be resilient, to show up, whether it's the last effort in an all-out sprint finish or push pressing a weight overhead. Our bodies are built to be able to do so. At some point in our lives, we begin to listen to the negative chatter, the voice that tells us to give up, the voice that tells us, ah, you've worked hard enough, this last sprint is, is unnecessary, the voice in our head that says, ah, this weight is too heavy, there's no way. All that to say that ultimately our body is only as capable as the strength that we put into our thoughts into the way that we see ourselves and what we're capable of. It's like, you got this. You got this. Why would you have the audacity to think about throwing in the towel now? You've made it this far. What's the saying? You have. You didn't make it this far to only make it this far? Keep pushing, keep going. Make it to the other side. So we're going to wrap up today with our weekly challenge. How will you build strength this week? Will you do one more set in your workout? Will you try meditating for the first time? Or will you visit that one place, that one place that is so hard for you and try to see it fresh? Tell us about it. We want to know at Tune to Tune Day and at One Peloton, hashtag Fitness Flipped. For even more fun challenges just like this, you guys can download the Peloton app to take all of our fun classes. We'll see you back here later this week for our member story. This one's an incredible message about a Peloton community member who found and redefined strength for herself after a very challenging diagnosis. You won't want to miss it. It's a great day, y'all. Go out and be great. Fitness Lift is a production of Peloton Studios. It is produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lehrer of the Mashup Americans. Our senior producer is Sarah Pellegrini. Our development producer is Alana Levinson. And our production manager is Shelby Sandlin. Fitness Flip is sound designed by Pedro Rafael Rosado. Original music composed by Jen Kwok and Jody Shelton. Special thanks to Jen Cotter, Janie Herbert, Laura Petro, Amanda Hill, Danielle Mills, Tony Calandra, DJ John Michael, and Alexis Duncan. 